0: Well, we're uh, continuing in our series on the book of Galatians today. I've titled that series, Jesus Plus Nothing. And uh, this is the third week in the series, and we come to Galatians 1.11 through 2.10. If you want to turn there and hold your place, we'll read it in just a minute. Now, in fairness to the people who put the words together, uh, I told them, for the screen, I told them 1.11 through 24. And then I changed it, and I went through 2.10. So we're not going to have all of the words on the screen today. Uh, so it's a good time to point out that it's always good to bring your Bible to church. By way of reminder, uh, Paul the Apostle had preached the good news of Jesus Christ in the region of Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. And as people respond to the message of Jesus, churches were established uh, in the area. And then eventually, as those churches were established, the Apostle Paul left uh, the churches to the, to the leadership of local leaders, and he would go on and he would take the gospel to other places. Once Paul had, uh, had left the area, a group of Jewish believers uh, known as Judaizers, who were part of the Galatian churches, started influencing the churches away from the simple message that Paul had preached, that the gospel was Jesus plus nothing. And they taught that the message of salvation definitely included Jesus, but in addition to Jesus, male believers needed to be circumcised, and all believers needed to obey the Jewish law. Paul's message was Jesus plus nothing. Their message was Jesus plus circumcision plus keeping the law. Basically, they were teaching that to be saved, one needed to adopt Jewish religious and cultural practices. They were basically teaching that a person needed to go through two conversions. First, they needed to be converted to Christ, and then they needed to be converted to Judaism. And as we covered in the first ten verses of Galatians, many in the churches were buying into their message. They were were being influenced by this message that was contrary to what Paul had taught. And so the churches were being thrown into great confusion. One of the Judaizers' key strategies to undermine the gospel message Paul had preached was to attack Paul himself. They claimed that Paul's message could not be trusted because Paul could not be trusted. They challenged his claim of being a true apostle. They pointed out that he wasn't one of the original twelve and they pointed out that at least from their perspective he had not been commissioned directly by Jesus. Part of their claim was that Paul's message wasn't from God but was a message with a human origin. They were attacking Paul as a means of attacking and undermining the message that Paul preached. In today's text, Galatians 1.11 through 2.10, we find Paul defending his apostleship. He directly answers the personal attacks and the accusations of the Judaizers. And so what we're going to be reading today, it was written for the purpose, Paul wrote it for the purpose of defending his apostleship. And so we're, we're going to take some time today to, to look at and understand his defense. But within Paul's defense of his apostleship is Paul's testimony. And it is a powerful testimony of the difference that Jesus can make in a person's life. And so while we're going to consider Paul's defense, our main focus today is then going to shift to highlight Paul's testimony of the difference that Jesus made in his life. So follow along as I read Galatians 1.11 through 2.10. You'll be able to follow through chapter 1. And then if you have your Bible, you can can follow along into chapter 2. If not, you can just trust that I will accurately read uh, what it says. Here's what we find. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God... But what I am writing to you is no lie. Later I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Going on to chapter 2. Fourteen years later I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be the leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised even though he was Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks "...to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain in you. As for those who seemed important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the, the gospel to the Gentiles just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So let's briefly highlight Paul's defense of his apostleship. He makes it clear that he did not, contrary to the accusations, he did not receive the gospel from man, but he received it directly from God. Verses 11 and 12. The gospel I preached is not something man made up. I did not receive it from any man. I was not taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Just in those few verses, Paul has refuted the Judaizers' accusation that his gospel was man made instead of God given. And Paul has refuted their accusation that he hadn't received the message directly from Christ as the other apostles had. By the way, you can read about Paul's dramatic encounter with Jesus, his dramatic conversion in Acts chapter 9, and I would encourage you uh, to do that this week. So Paul says, and it's true, we read about it in Acts 9, that he did receive the message directly from Christ. It was not man-made, It was not a man-given message, it was a God-given message. Paul also goes on then and defends himself by pointing out his previous relationship with the various traditions, uh, the, the very traditions that the Judaizers had been advocating for. He makes it clear that the gospel he was preaching now was foreign to all of his previous thinking, And it was foreign to all of his previous actions. This this, uh, change isn't something he would have come to easily because uh, what he was uh, presenting now was completely foreign to everything he had ever believed. Verses 13 and 14. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and I tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the tradition of my fathers. Paul's essentially saying to them, you think you care about Judaism. You think you care about the tradition of our fathers. None of you care more than what I did. I was a rising star in Judaism. I was so zealous for the traditions you now advocate for that I was persecuting the church and actually trying to destroy it. And this appeal to his past sets up the next point in Paul's defense, which is this, that only direct intervention from God could possibly explain his conversion And his willingness to preach the true gospel of Jesus plus nothing. Instead of continuing to advocate and fight for the traditions of his fathers. Verses 15 and 16. But when God who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me. But when God... I was persecuting the church, but then God revealed his son in me. I was zealous for the traditions of my fathers, but then God revealed his son in me. I was a rising star in Judaism, but then God revealed his son in me. The only explanation for the abrupt change from persecutor of the church... To proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Paul had an encounter with the risen Jesus. It was the direct intervention of God that turned him from his attempt to destroy the church and set him on a course of being used by God to establish the church of Jesus Christ throughout the Gentile world. And then, as if all of that's not enough of a defense of his his apostleship, Paul shares that his message and apostleship were affirmed by the original twelve apostles. So follow the thought process. They're saying he's not one. He's saying, well, the other ones think I am. (laughs) I, I mean, that's essentially what he's saying. And we read about that all through those first 10 verses of the second chapter of Galatians that I uh, read just a minute ago, but I want to highlight again verses 7 through 9. Speaking of the Jerusalem apostles, the original 12, Paul writes, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostolic As an apostle, I can't read today, apostle to the Jews was also at work in my ministry as an apostle of the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas, this is key, the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. The original twelve think I'm an apostle? Paul did not receive the gospel from man, but from God. Only direct intervention from God could account for his change from persecutor of the church and rising star in Judaism to being fully devoted to the good news of Jesus Christ. And the original twelve, through the authority of Peter, James, and John, had affirmed Paul's message and apostleship. So Paul made a compelling defense of his apostleship. The Judaizers were wrong about Paul, just like they were wrong about Paul's message. Paul was an apostle. Affirmed by God and the Jerusalem apostles and the gospel of Jesus Christ really is Jesus plus nothing, not the adjusted gospel of Jesus plus circumcision plus law-keeping, which is a perversion of the gospel, which is no gospel at all. And so that's a brief look at Paul's defense of his apostleship, which is the purpose for which Paul wrote what we've read here today. But within that defense, we find a powerful testimony Of the difference that Jesus made in Paul's life. And it's that testimony within the defense that I most want to highlight for us today. Within Galatians 1, 11 through 24, we find what you might call the anatomy of a testimony. Or said a different way, we could just say it's the outline of a testimony. Or it's the the structure of a testimony. Paul uses it here in Galatians, and he uses it in other places throughout the New Testament. It is a simple way that those who have encountered Jesus can share the difference that Jesus made in their lives. Here's the anatomy of a testimony that we see in these verses. Number one, life before Jesus. What I was like before encountering Jesus. Next, how I came to encounter Jesus. The story of how I came to know him. The story of how I came to appeal to him for help. Whatever it is, how I encountered Jesus. And then the third is life after encountering Jesus. How I'm different since Jesus became part of my life. That's the anatomy. That's the outline. That's the structure of a good testimony. And I want us to look. Some of this will be a little bit repetitive. But I want us to look at Paul's testimony. In Galatians 1. 11 through 24. Here's Paul's testimony. Within his defense. Of his apostleship. Life. Before Jesus. For Paul. Verses 13 and 14 again. For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God, I tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Life before Jesus for Paul, he was a persecutor of the church of Jesus Christ. Many of you know this, but for those of us who may not, it's important to note the extent to which Paul was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. You can read about this in Acts 7. In that chapter of Acts, we're told of the first Christian martyr, a man named Stephen, who had proclaimed Jesus to the Jewish leaders. And they had become so enraged at his testimony about Jesus that Acts 7, 57-58 tell us this. At this, at hearing his testimony about Jesus, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. And then verse 58 gives us an interesting bit of information. Meanwhile, the witnesses, against Stephen laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Who would become Paul. And then Acts 1 tells us, And Saul was there giving approval to Stephen's death. Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, played a key role in the death of the first Christian martyr. This is the extent to which he was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ and trying to destroy it. He was truly seeking to destroy to the extent of killing those who were faithful witnesses for Jesus Christ. Persecutor of the church, approving of and helping to carry out the death of a faithful witness for Christ. If you're familiar with Paul's writings, you know that he was a man who was deeply appreciative of God's grace. He was a man who, in spite of all of his contributions to the cause of Christ, always remembered very well who he was before Jesus. I have no doubt that Paul, many times, faced the enemy of his soul trying to bring him under condemnation because the truth is that the Paul we know was a very different man before Jesus was revealed in him. And so that was Paul before Jesus. Next in Paul's testimony within his defense is Paul's encounter with Jesus. He tells of his persecution of the church and then In verse 15, something amazing happens. Paul writes, again, I know I'm being repetitive, but here we go. Verse 15, but when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. But when God revealed his son to me. Paul had an encounter with Jesus. Acts 9 tells us that when Paul, who was then called Saul, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, what happened to him is that suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul. Saul, why do you persecute me? Think about that. Paul is persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. He thinks he's doing it within the will of God. And he hears a voice from heaven. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul asked, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. He was living in opposition to Christ. He was persecuting the church. But then God revealed Jesus to him. He had an encounter with the risen Christ. And once he encountered Christ, his life changed. Look at verse 23. It tells us that the believers who Paul had been persecuting, quote, heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Paul's life before Jesus, persecutor of the church. He then encounters Jesus. And then from that point on, until his death, Paul's life was entirely devoted to the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the difference that Jesus makes in a person's life. He'll take someone who is opposed to him. He'll reveal himself to them. And then those people spend the rest of their lives living for him and proclaiming that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Can you imagine how those early believers must have felt when they received the reports that the man who had been trying to destroy them, been trying to kill them, was now one of them? I've seen some dramatic conversions in my life. I've seen some people who were mean and hard and angry and bitter. And then Jesus came into their lives. And for the rest of their lives, those people can hardly talk about their conversion without tears flowing down their cheeks. Because of the difference that Jesus made in their lives. And some of those dramatic changes, some of those dramatic testimonies are represented among you here in this room. I've seen powerful testimonies of God's, uh, of the difference that Jesus makes, the change that Jesus makes in our lives right here in this room. Verse 24 tells us how the believers felt, tells us how they responded to the reports of their persecutor encountering Jesus and becoming a preacher of the gospel. Here's what verse 24 says. Paul writes, they praised God because of me that's the difference Jesus makes people's lives who used to be a mess people's lives who used to be marked by sin people who used to be angry and bitter people who used to be a bad husband or a bad wife people who used to be a horrible parent people who used to live only for themselves people who had left a as Paul had a wake of pain and heartache those people encounter jesus and jesus makes such a difference in their lives that they become someone who others praise god because of when people encounter jesus he changes them he makes a difference in their lives This church and every Bible believing, Christ honoring church the world over is full of people who are different, who are different than what they used to be because of Jesus. They have been changed by Him. What difference has Jesus made in your life? Just think about it for a second. What difference has Jesus made in your life? Everyone here today who has received Christ as Savior and Lord, Jesus has made some difference in your life. What's the difference that he's made in you? What's the difference? Every believer should use this simple testimony outline. Life before Jesus... Encounter with Jesus. Life after Jesus. You should use that outline to write and to share your story so that people will praise God because of you. All of our stories are different, but they all have the same structure. We were people in need of change in our lives. We encountered Jesus and we got that change. Our lives changed. Think through it. Write it out and then share it every chance that you get. Because as people hear about the difference Jesus has made in your life, God receives the praise that he deserves for what he's done in you. God should be praised because of that. He doesn't get the praise he deserves if we don't tell the story. He deserves to be praised. If you were a bad spouse, and then you encountered Jesus, and now you're a good spouse, or at least an okay spouse, (laughs) tell your story so people will praise God because of you, and maybe your story will be used by God to help lead that person to Jesus. If you were paralyzed by fear and then you encountered Jesus and now you're free from fear, tell your story so the people will praise God because of you. And maybe your story will help lead someone else to Jesus and they'll see the change in their life that they so desperately need. All of us share, all of us who call Christ Savior and Lord share this testimony. We were lost and on our way to hell. And then we encounter Jesus, and now we're saved and on our way to heaven. God bless you, but I think heaven's better than that. But you tried. I know you tried. When we think of this reality in our own lives, and in the lives of our brothers and sisters, we should praise God for what he's done, the difference that he's made in our lives. And so I want to encourage you this week to take a few minutes, use this simple outline, and write out your testimony of how you're different since you encountered Jesus. And then look for opportunities to share that testimony. One of the things that we're committed to try to do better as as a church is to highlight the good things that God is doing in our midst. And so today I've asked someone in our congregation to share with you the difference that Jesus has made in his life. I've been aware of his story for some time. I have praised God because of him. But today God's going to get praise from all of us for the difference that Jesus has made in our brother's life. And so would you right now help me welcome Sean Blythe as he comes to share with you the difference that Jesus has made in his life. Thanks. Yep. Thank you.
1: I just wanted to start off and let you guys know that I'm a little uncomfortable. And... I have a uh, kind of a self-mechanism that I say inappropriate stuff when I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) So please know that I take this very, very seriously. But if I crack a joke or something, it's that's just me trying not to cry. So (laughs) I'll try and stick to my notes. And by the way, I'm already off my notes, which is not going to be good. Yes, help me out if I crack one of those jokes, because it's, I find great pleasure when Brian cracks a joke, and we all give him crickets, but he's a professional, he can handle it. (laughs) So over the last year and a half to two years, I've spoke to Brian as a pastor and as a friend, and we've went over my past, my spiritual growth, and just my life in general. Not going good. So last week my pastor called and asked if I would share my story because my friend would never do that to me. Uh, <laughs> see, thank you. Thank, see you guys, everybody that didn't collapse, the ones that are using a back door. So, uh, growing up, uh, my dad was a workaholic, my mom was an alcoholic, and unfortunately, I adopted about 75% of both those traits. Um, I grew up in Northeast Ohio, in the Youngstown area, uh, very blue collar, you know, everybody had the work hard, play hard mentality, and we'd go work all week, and drink all weekend. And that's that that's just the way it was and you know that was just being a man in my eyes. You know, that's and I kind of hung on to that. Um I still tried to go to church kind of often. It uh Catholic. So uh one of the ways that I was able to kind of get around it was instead of going on Sundays because I was going to be hungover, I would go Saturday evening, and I could time it to where I would sit in the back, and exactly 45 minutes into the hour, we would do communion, I would do my lap, and out the back door, but I was checking boxes, so at this point in my life, I felt like, and I'm off script again, so this is going to keep getting bad, but Instead of living like a Christian, I was just comparing myself to others, and as we know, that's a pretty low bar. So, anyway. Uh, I met my wife in 2004. We got married, started a family. Um, At that point, again, I was able to justify drinking because I stopped going to bars. At this point, now we were getting a little bit older. I would have friends come to my house. Uh, I built a bar in the basement to make it easier you know, I didn't have to go to a bar anymore. Uh, I could go to friend's house. They would come to our house and I wasn't out chasing women. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't out spending our family's money on that excessively because just buying some beer in the house was cheap. We, we, you know, we could get some pork chops and barbecue and Hey, this is good family time. But, uh, it turns out I was there, but I wasn't really present. And, uh, So anyway, kind of getting to the good section of this is one morning I woke up and I just, I had the undeniable urge to tell my wife that I could see myself not drinking soon. And that was not a good idea, you know, to tell her that because that was going to start an unpleasant conversation. But I still had to go say it. I didn't have a choice. It's, I didn't hear God's words, but it was it was in me. I just it's, even though I knew that I was going to probably end up getting into an argument, I still had to go talk to her about it. And luckily, I don't it, that didn't really go too bad. Just because I, you know, she was blowing it off is, you know, whatever. You know, we we've been down this road before, and uh, so. I was going about my life and still drinking, but for the first time ever, conscious about it. I, I was I was conscious that I was drinking instead of just being a lifestyle, you know, I, it was on my mind. Uh, about a couple weeks later, I'm not a, exactly sure, because I wasn't taking notes, because at this time I didn't realize even that it was the Lord working in my life. I just... I was used to doing bad ideas, and I thought talking to her about this was a bad idea, so it, you know, it was, it was fitting, um, so a couple weeks later, I woke up and no longer had the urge to drink, just gone, yeah, thank you, um, and it's been great. And following up with that, uh, just started having the urge to, instead of being the last in and the first out of church, I had the urge to get involved and started liking it, started doing more. Uh, one of the first men's breakfasts we had, It's I'm always... I, I never know who sings a song, what, what the words are, but I kind of got the chorus. and like the, uh, There's a song, it's not, the, it's not good news, it's the best news ever. That's, that's kind of how I felt about this. And it's, I, I feel very, very, very blessed that Jesus came into my heart and put that in there because at this time, I was not asking anybody to help me. I wasn't asking Jesus to come in. That, that doesn't mean somebody else wasn't asking. So you know, there's there's probably still prayers being answered there, but it just it wasn't coming for me. So it took a little time for me to realize that, you know, kind of put the pieces together of of what was going on. Um, yeah, I, I, I haven't stuck to this at all, so I apologize. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, I've already covered most of that, so I'll just put this away. There's, there's no sense doing this, but uh, anyway, uh, I, I feel blessed to be here. I feel blessed to be a part of the, this church family, and I, I thank you.
0: Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? You know it is God when alcohol is a problem in your life, and then it's just gone. It's just gone. That doesn't happen apart from the power of God. And so we give God praise today because of Sean Blythe and the difference that Jesus has made in his life. Let's praise the Lord again. God, we thank you for this wonderful testimony. We thank you, God, for this difference that you've made in Sean's life. Amen. Amen. There are stories like that all throughout our congregation, and we want to do a better job of highlighting them. So let me encourage you guys once again, Use this simple testimony outline that I've talked about today. Life before Jesus. Jesus. Life after Jesus. Write out your testimony. And then we'd love to have you consider sharing it at some point. Actually, if I could get someone to bring me one of those testimony cards that are on the back wall. Uh, right there by the um, uh, money box. Cheryl is bringing that. I don't know how many of you know Cheryl Perkins, but this is a wonderful lady who helps our church out in so many ways. Give Cheryl a hand. Thank you, Cheryl. So use this simple outline for a testimony. I would encourage you to pick up one of these testimony cards that's on the back wall in the holder and fill it out and turn it in to the church office. And we'll look over these and from time to time we'll pick one out and we'll have you get up and we'll share your testimony. And we want God to get the praise that he is deserving of because of the difference that's been made in your life. And so be faithful to do this. We've had a few of you do it, and I may be uh, contacting you soon. But these have been back there for a long, long time. We don't have very many of them. And I know there's lots of stories of change in our church. So do this, do this, do this. And allow your life to be a testimony of the power of of Jesus Christ. So thank you, Jesus, for the difference that you've made in us. And Jesus, we ask you to continue making a difference in our lives, right? We are a work in progress. We've been changed, but we need more change. Everybody said amen. All right, why don't you stand?